Hello, and welcome to Wands and Fronds, the weekly podcast that covers magic, houseplants, and more. I'm Shannon. And I'm Nick. And we're your co-hosts. So today I'm going to cover a beautiful holiday plant that you can keep year-round, poinsettia. Ooh, love it. And I'm going to be talking about some gems and minerals that have strong associations with the Yule season. We'll also be dishing about a witchy practice from the internet that is, spoiler alert, questionable. Soups. Soup's questionable. Oh my god. But we're going to keep that as a bit of a surprise to, you know, keep you till the end of the episode. But uh, first, Shannon has some info about something you've maybe killed. I have to say, Shannon, I've never kept a poinsettia alive. So, um, yeah. teach me. I love poinsettias. So, I'm going to start off by saying, I know that some people say poinsettia and some people say poinsettia. I grew up in Texas and it was poinsettia to me growing up. I have done so much research on the internet, and it's named after a guy whose last name is Poinsett. So honestly, it seems like either or, tomato, tomato. I'm really sorry if it bothers you, but I'm going to say Poinsettia. I'm just going to get it out of the way. Oh, it's like it's like uh, aluminium. Oh, my God. Uh, but it's like British people. Why did you add seven syllables to that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, my God. Um. Anyway, so. It was a little stuck up, though, don't you think? Like, aluminium. Uh, it's like. Poinsettia. Poinsettia. Aluminium. No, and it's like, it's so funny. So I love poinsettias. Um, I was really excited to talk about them. So they're in the Euphorbia family, um, Euphorbia pulcherima, um, because I'm always, I'm so sad at the end of the holiday season when you see all of the like half dead poinsettias getting like tossed in the dumpster. I mean, first of all, like the amount of waste is just like, it's sad to me. Like that's so much waste with like all the plastic nursery pots and all of the wrapping and the actual plants, but also they are totally able to be kept alive. So in addition to the fact that I do have a poinsettia living on my porch that I rescued from near the dumpster last year, I also have used the sources um, gardeningknowhow.com, which is great if you like outdoor gardening, witchesandpagans.com, also great. And Illinois University has an extension like website for extension courses. And they also had a really cool little section on poinsettias. Um, but as I'm sure many of you could guess, poinsettias are actually the number one selling holiday plant in the U.S. Number one. But it's actually it's native to Western Mexico, uh, where it actually grows into like large shrubs or small trees, which I think is kind of mind blowing if you've never seen photos of it. So when we post this episode, I'll definitely put up pictures because they get huge, like really fucking big, especially when you're yeah, thinking I've never, about I've these. I've never seen a giant poinsettia, so I'm very yeah. interested. They're, to check I that mean, they're out. really awesome. Um, beware of poinsettias if you have a latex allergy. Um, they are in the Euphorbiaceae family, which is basically a group of plants that uh, ooze sort of that milky sap. And, you know, you'll also find things in there like, I mean, even the ficus elasticas have that sort of like milky sap if you break something off. Um, and it can cause like an allergic reaction if you have a, a latex allergy specifically. It can also just irritate your skin in general. So be really careful. And, and it does cause nausea for like our furry friends. So keep your dog and your cat away. But I do want to say that like the poison level of poinsettias has been super overblown for pets. They will make them sick, but to kill your pets, they would have to eat a lot, like a lot, a lot of poinsettia, like probably more than just your one plant. 
So again, like be careful, but I, I grew up hearing that it's like, if your if your cat looked at it wrong, it would kill it. And that's just like, not true. So good to know, because I I've heard that a lot as well, which probably factored a lot into killing my poinsettias that I have had over the years, because I always put them somewhere very far away from the cat and, uh, you know, sort of by accident, uh, have them very far away from any sort of sunlight. Oh, yeah. Any sort of sunlight. And I also find like with my plants that are a little bit more delicate, I always try to put them in places that I see a lot. So I have to check on them a lot because if they're, you know, far away, then it's like out of sight, out of mind. Um, But I think a little bit of like background. So again, they're not from the U.S. Like the Aztecs called poinsettias Quetzalcoatl and Montezuma would actually have poinsettias brought into you know, what is now Mexico by caravans because they couldn't be grown in the high altitudes um, of, you know, basically Mexico City. And in the 14th to 16th century, the sap was actually used to control fevers. And then the bracts, the the red leaves, were used to make this like really pretty like reddish purple dye. Um, but again, it's like the latex sap is like mildly poisonous. So we don't encourage you to do that nowadays. But I think something that's really interesting and kind of a misnomer is that the red like petals on it, that's not the flower. They're actually called bracts, which are modified leaves. And then if you look in the middle of these like beautiful red bracts, there's like a tiny little yellow center and those are the flowers. And that's that's kind of similar to things like dogwoods or Nick, one of your favorites, hydrangeas. Mm-hmm. The things that you see on hydrangeas that you think of as the flowers are actually bracts, they're leaves. The flowers are tiny and in the middle. I I do love that. And I do love hydrangeas. Same. But if you want to purchase a poinsettia and keep it past the holidays, here's where shit gets real. First and foremost, you really do want to start by getting a plant that like looks healthy. Okay? Like do a little bit of inspection, lift up the leaves. If you can, if it's dry enough, I also recommend just kind of like popping it up out of the pot so you can look at the roots. And I do that literally with like almost any plant that I'm buying. I It doesn't matter if it makes you feel weird. Like it is the best way to tell if a plant is healthy. Like if you pop it up and those roots are like black and mushy, oh, right. don't buy the plant because even if it looks beautiful, it will die. Um, So, you know, inspect it. Look for pests, things like spider mites, you know, flip up the bottoms of the leaves. Look for those little like that speckling that you get when spider mites come and make your life living hell. I fucking hate spider mites. I know. I know. I got spider mites on my poinsettia out on my front porch also. Um, That happened like a long time ago, but I have the spider mite issue under control in my house now for what it's worth. But (laughs) make sure you're choosing one that's also full. You know, you don't want it to have a bunch of like discolored leaves or other signs of like you know, disease or overwatering. And you're wanting to find one that's like some combination of like red and white, maybe the ones that are like a little salmon, a little pink, those are all fine. But you'll see some that are like super fuchsia-y purple or really blue. And those are definitely dyed. Those are not colors that you can like breed into the plant. And so if you're getting something that you want to live for like, you know, past just the season, I would stay away from those just because again, like the dye might not kill the plant right away, but anything that you're doing like that can eventually cause like long-term damage. And it's just, you want to set yourself up for success. So, you you know, I, I always see the ones that have been like sprayed with glue and glitter. Oh my God. I hate that so much. I hate it so much. And people do it to the succulents too. Um, And I'll I'll just, and I'll I'll just say, it doesn't even look good. Like I think that's kind of tacky. 
it's super tacky, but also like the plant lover in me is like, how fucking dare you? Like <laughs> right. they they breathe and they photosynthesize like through their leaves. And it's why you have to like dust the leaves of your plants because they can't photosynthesize effectively if there's a layer of dust. Now imagine covering it in fucking glue and glitter. <laughs> right. Like literally just gonna kill it. You're so just killing when, it. When you bring it home, you want to put it in like a bright room that gets a lot of natural light, you know, but keep it out of direct sun. And so this is the thing in the plant world, the ever elusive bright indirect light. But I think a good way to think about it is you want wherever your plant is, you want the plant to be able to see the sky, but not the sun if it's looking at the window. I think that's the easiest way to think about it. So if you're far enough away that from the plant's perspective, if you look out the window, you're like not able to look up and see the sky. That's that's too far away. Too far away. Right. Um, you know, it's it's funny. It's funny you're mentioning this uh, because like I had said, I've killed quite a few of these in my time. And so I guess what you're saying is it's a bad idea to put it on top of your refrigerator in your yeah. kitchen that doesn't have a window. Is that or right? Or if you're like my family, for some reason, for the longest, when I was a kid, my family would put poinsettias like on the back of the toilet in the bathroom with like out any windows. So, yeah, that'll kill it. Oh, um, good. <laughs> I'm learning. I'm, I really am learning yeah. something here. And you also want to be careful to put it away from like drafty windows or like your heater or your central air because dramatic changes in temperature can harm the plant. And that's really every plant. That's not just poinsettias. Like. You don't want your plants to be like right under your heater or your air conditioning vent because like that dramatic shifting will will kill them. It's like it's not good for them. And you want to water only when the soil feels dry to the touch. Now, you don't want to let it completely dry out this time of year, but you don't want it to you know stay sopping, especially because when you buy them in the stores, usually they're in mixes that are primarily sphagnum moss, which holds on to a lot of water. Um, so just, you know, let the top dry out before you water it. So you're going to do all of this and then you're going to decide, holy shit, man, I kept it alive through Christmas, kept it alive through the end of the year. I want to do this again next year. You can get it to quote unquote bloom again, but it does take some work. <laughs> so the best way to like ensure success, if you want to be able to get the colorful bracts again, continue to water your poinsettia up until the middle of spring. And then when you get to that midpoint, you're going to super back off of watering and let the stem sort of like shrivel up a bit. You're going to, and you're going to basically dry the plant out and then you're going to keep it in a cool area until spring ends. And then early summer, you're going to pop it out of the pot, cut all of the growth off until it's just a couple of inches above the soil, you know, and then put it into a new pot, well-draining soil, take it inside. About a month after you've repotted, you're going to move it back outside, but only in the shade. And then you're going to continue to cut any growing tips until midsummer. Then before fall starts, you're going to bring the poinsettia back inside, find an area with bright indirect light, and then water and feed it regularly. So that's the easy part of getting it to bloom again. <laughs> so the way that the bracts happen is actually this process called photoperiodism. And it's in response to certain amounts of light or darkness. And that turns the leaves from green to like red or you know pink or white or whatever shade it was when you bought it last year. And so when fall begins, it's time to start this process. So first, you're going to change from like a nitrogen-based fertilizer to one made for houseplants. Um, I like a tea made with earthworm castings. That's great. Mm. Then every single day, you need to place that plant in 
a place that is completely dark, uninterrupted darkness for 13 hours. Like think a water closet. And then you need to give it 11 hours of bright sunshine per day. Literally every day you have to do this. And then after about two months, you're going to remove the time spent in the darkness and just place it in the sunniest area in your home. And that's when you'll start seeing the Brax change colors. This is so complicated. It is. It is. So the easy way to keep a poinsettia alive, this is the hard way. Okay. If you want to like turn it up to 11, you want to be an expert, you want to get the Brax to turn red again. That's how you do it. Or right, right, if, right, right. if like me, I love the plant when it's got the green leaves. I also find the green leaves beautiful. So what I did is I rescued the one from the dumpster. I didn't even pay for one. And I super hacked it back until it's just a few inches above the soil. I repotted it right away instead of waiting just because I have a heavy hand with a watering can. And I find that if I leave things in sphagnum for too long, I will eventually drown the roots just because I love my plants to death. Oh so my I, God. I repotted it just, you know, like regular potting soil with some like extra amendments in for drainage if you need it. And then I left it outside. I live in California again. So it's like really temperate. It doesn't get like super dramatic, hot and cold here. Um, and then I just like watered it when it dried out. And eventually all of the leaves grew back and it's it's beautiful. And then I got spider mice and I had to hack a bunch back and now it's coming back again. And it's it's gorgeous. I love it. I think the green leaves are beautiful, but it's not going to turn red again unless you like really get into that photo periodism thing. That's just like, that's how it happens. Which is kind of making me think of how they make uh, the, the green tea in Japan. Like, uh, yeah. Gyokuro. Yep. How they like they pull the shades over the plants and just like really let them turn like yeah. extra extra dark. Yep, it's photoperiodism really like changes the structures of like leaves. So again, it's like I think it's like insane if you want to do that. You can totally do that. I don't have time for it, but you don't have to do that to keep your plant alive. And I still think they're beautiful. Um, but again, like poinsettias, if you want to think about them in like magical terms. They're also like a really great Yule decoration, right? So we talked about in last week's episode how Yule also symbolizes like the returning of the sun, right? Like this is the end of the darkest period. From here on out, it's only going to get lighter and lighter and lighter. And so this red like star shape can really be symbolic of like the sun. Um, The red could also represent like the life-giving blood of the goddess, like the power of regeneration, the promise of renewal in the spring. And I loved this like little Yule ritual that I found um, removing a red bract from your plant. Be careful with the latex stuff if you're allergic. Otherwise, remove it. And if you kind of like let it sit for a little bit, it'll kind of basically form a scab over the latex part. And then once that's happened and it's like dried off, you're going to hold it between your hands as you make a wish for the coming year. And then you're going to leave it on your altar until New Year's Eve. And then you're going to burn it in a, and as you burn it, you want to visualize the wish you made at Yule. And I just thought that was like a really sort of a beautiful way to utilize a part of the plant that will also eventually like die. So instead of just like hacking it back to be able to regrow it, you could also save some of it to use in like ritual. Um, so you know, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna hop in here. I will. Yeah. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a challenge to you. I will do this ritual with the poinsettia bract, and you should try to make a yule goat. Deal. Okay. Well, I think we should do Deal. that. Yeah. No, I'm totally down. I'm totally down. 
And I love that like red is of course still the most popular color for poinsettias, but I've seen my favorite at Trader Joe's, like I I get paid on Thursday and I'm going to go buy one. They've got these like really pretty like salmon colored mm. poinsettias that I think are just like beautiful. So you can get them in like sort of like more pinkish and purple, but they also come in white, which are like super beautiful. Those are um, one of also, my favorites actually is the green and white ones. Oh, they're so classy. So it's like, if you want to think about spells for attracting romance, right? Like one of the pink ones would be perfect for that. Um, you know, pink is also like universal love and we're thinking about like spreading peace and goodwill. And if you love winter, like I do, I love winter because I don't get it. And I have that like grass is always greener thing. Meanwhile, if you actually drop me down in a place with snow, I'm sure I would die. But you know, the idea of like snowy winters is like really romantic and like something that you always kind of feel like you're missing out on in California where you just have palm trees year round. Um, You could get one of those white poinsettias and like place it in your bedroom to like represent like the snow and the changing of the seasons, like something that you don't really necessarily experience. Um, and because they do disappear, you know, kind of by the end of the year from all of the shops, it is like, it's kind of like a nice little reminder of like the magic of Yule. It's like this beautiful plant that does live year round, suddenly comes out of the woodwork all over the place. And it's like, to me, it's like plants that symbolize the seasons have a special place in my heart because I am a plant dork and poinsettias are just like, they're a part of Yule. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling I'm feeling like such a warm, fuzzy feeling just like, ooh, it's, it's, the, it's that time of year. It really I know. is. It is. It is that time of year. And I, I was really like, I'm a literally I'm literally about to start like crying watching like basic Hallmark movies. Like it's it's literally that time uh, of year. It has come. And I mean, the Great British Baking Show released their Christmas edition. Mm-hmm. Both episodes are truly delightful especially the second one, which has the Dairy Girls on it, um, which they're phenomenal on the Netflix show Dairy Girls. A++ do recommend. Um, But yeah, I just, I love this time of year. And especially because for me, it feels really special because we're not going back to Texas until the 22nd. So I'm going to get to have a Yule celebration like at home with my altar, with my partner. And then we'll go back and we'll do like the traditional Christmas stuff. But this is like, to me, Yule really does feel like this special, like private part of my like witchcraft practice that I don't share with, you know, with my big family and the whole world. And and I, I find that really meaningful. Oh, for sure. And, you know, it's like uh, the Christmas ham. I mean, when you're there, when you're when you're at Christmas and they're having ham, you'll know. Yeah, you'll know. And it's like if you want to deck your house out in poinsettias and like know that you're thinking of like the coming of the sun and like the the blood of the goddess like you know that and that's the other great thing about yule i feel like more than pretty much any other sabbath yule you can definitely like decorate for on the low key mm-hmm. which yeah, is awesome because all this stuff was stolen yep by christianity so um, so speaking of paganism um the deity profile this week we wanted to talk about the holly king which I was personally really excited about, and I used a a bunch of different resources for this, but wikipedia.com, arcanealchemy.com. And on Arcane Alchemy, it was this really great research piece by this woman, Scarlet Ravenswood. And she also has a really awesome YouTube channel that I Uh, highly recommend. Just like the coolest name ever. Oh, I know. I'm like, how dare you be 
so cool. Unfair. But also, she's delightful. And, like, I definitely recommended her or whatever. And maybe someday we'll have her as a guest on the show. She really is awesome. But her name makes me so upset that my name is so lame. Um, (laughs) Anyway, so the Holly King and his counterpart, the Oak King, are actually modern pagan entities. And they're a really cool way to sort of, like, anthropomorphize the sun cycles. So in modern... In the modern Wiccan version of the tale, the Holly and Oak Kings are dual aspects of the Wiccan god, and they personify the changing wheel of the year. So the two kings engage in basically an endless battle that reflects the seasonal cycles. Um, Really, they're representing like the solar light and the solar dark. So at the winter solstice, the Oak King conquers the Holly King and rules until summer, Uh, until the summer solstice, again, the growing of the light. And then once the summer solstice arrives, the Holly King returns to do battle with the now old Oak King. And at this time, the Holly King defeats the Oak King and the Holly King rules until winter solstice. And it continues on and on and on. Um, And we often see these entities portrayed in certain ways. Uh, The Holly King frequently appears basically like woodsy santa like he dresses (laughs) he dresses in red has a sprig of holly and his like gray long tangled hair with his long beard sometime depicted driving a team of eight stags (laughs) um and the oak king by contrast is like eight stags yeah eight stags you mean male deer i do reindeer perhaps 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 indeed Um, And, you know, the Oak King, by contrast, he's like portrayed as a fertility god and sometimes actually appears as the green man or other like lords of the forest. So, you know, with a lot of the pagan legends, like the actual origins of the Oak King and the Holly King are unknown, but it was introduced into Wicca by Janet and Stuart Farrar in the late 1970s. And so since then, this has kind of become like a, a significant part of understanding the cycle of like the god and the seasons within Wiccan belief because you know in Wiccan belief there's like the god and the goddess right like the big entity right 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 and this is like the god sky daddy and sky mommy yeah sky daddy sky mommy um but you know if you look up the holly king and the oak king online a lot of people say it's from celtic mythology and i'm here to rain on that parade uh that's not possible for like one super big reason the Celts didn't celebrate the solstices. So they celebrated for fire. (laughs) I know, womp womp. The Celts celebrated for fire festivals or cross quarter days, which are also evenly spaced throughout the year and celebrate like the transitions throughout the agricultural season, uh, throughout the agricultural seasons. And those are outlined in the wooing of a mare, which is an ancient manuscript of stories set during the Ulster cycle of Irish mythology. So we have like, proof that they celebrated these four fire festivals and we know them as Samhain, Imbolc, Beltane, and Lunasa, right? Uh, and- I've never heard of those. <laughs> exactly. And so <laughs> these cross-quarter festivals were then combined with the festivals associated with solstices and equinoxes, which come from Norse, Germanic, and Anglo-Saxon sources. So, you know, and that's where we get things like Yule. And so it was actually Robert Graves and Aidan Kelly who combined those eight festivals together to form what we know of now as like the neo-pagan wheel of the year. And that happened in the 1940s. So this isn't actually some like ancient Celtic story, but it doesn't mean that it's like totally useless. And 
if you're looking at like traditional witchcraft, which I've also seen, it's can be referred to as like traditional European witchcraft or traditional, I think I've seen it like Anglican witchcraft. I, there's a bunch of different terms for it, but essentially this sect of witchcraft changes the story up a bit so that the battles take place at the equinoxes, which to me actually makes more sense because we're viewing these right as a way to describe like the solar cycles, which would mean if you're thinking about it in the traditional witchcraft sense, the Oak King is at his strongest during midsummer and the Holly King is at his height during Yule. So to me, logically, I think that tradition makes more sense. Um, right, and right, it, right. There's this like really, uh, you know, well-known traditional witchcraft book called Treading the Mill. And in it, Nigel Pearson actually says that the Holly King and the Oak King are two aspects of the King of the Wildwood archetype, which is, you know, the horned god that lives in the woods. And yeah, I was going to say, it does, it, does this have any bearing at all on the story of the, the great horned hunter? Yes, absolutely. Um, because in this in this story, right, the King of the Wildwood is like an aspect of the god, but he's not like some gentle, loving God. And there's nothing negative or evil about this aspect, but this God, um, the King of the Wildwood, purely embodies like unrefined masculine driving forces in nature. Like that very like red in tooth and claw, brutal aggression. Like, and that is that is the reality of the natural world. And that's what the King of the Wildwood represents. And so in traditional witchcraft, again, the Oak King and the Holly King are actually two aspects of the King of the Wildwood. So again, it's like in modern practices, I think we really have like two versions of the Holly King and Oak King, and they both provide like really cool value, but in totally different ways. Like the Wiccan understanding is really like sweet and fun. And I think it's like, if you have kids and you want to raise them pagan, like that's like a great sort of like fireside story for kids, right? Like we all love, the really like sweet, fun stories this time of year. And then I think that the traditional witchcraft understanding is a lot more intense. And it really like makes you think about like the harsh realities of the natural world. And so that can be something that you call on if you're trying to like work magic this time of year, in particular with like spellcraft. Like I think sometimes it's important as witches to like connect to the things that really are, you know, their realities it's like nature and it's brutal and it's harsh but it's powerful and we're a part of it so, so you know you know what i'm actually uh, thinking of here with like the end of the calendar year is is baby new year yeah like yeah, but- beating up the old man from the previous year and then the next year baby new year is the old year yeah no i think that's a really great parallel i know that totally tracks and i think that that's like It is so much like this is a time of transition. And I think no matter what your background is, I think every every religion, every culture has something that sort of like celebrates the changing of seasons. And in particular, this like movement from the dark half to the light half. And I just I really think that that's one of like the coolest parts about modern paganism. Right. It's like there's so much like lore and tradition that for different magical purposes, like you can call upon different things because they're archetypes, you know, there's no. Exactly. Yes. And that's, I mean, and that's awesome when you're doing spellcraft, like 
you know, having these like strong archetypes to work with, I think can really help you like channel your magic in really powerful ways. But I also think for people that maybe grew up in like some more stringent religion, there's also something that's like so freeing about that to like not have to take yourself so seriously. And that was one of the biggest takeaways for me doing this research about the Holly King and the Oak King. It's like, who cares exactly where it came from? You know, of course, it's not appropriation, which I think a caveat, of course, you should care if something's getting appropriated and like mass produced. We know that. But in this situation, it's like it doesn't hurt anybody. And so it doesn't really matter that it didn't come from the ancient Celts. It's and, like, but it speak it speaks to you. It speaks to your yeah. spirituality and like your soul as a person. And that's what should be important in any religion. I would agree. I would agree with that. And so I think that, you know, with the Holly King and the Oak King, you know, take these aspects and think about them in your practice in the ways that make most sense for you. And if they don't make sense, it's fine. There's lots of other deities and like, you know, entities you can work with, but they are like this really beautiful way, again, to anthropomorphize like the solar cycles. And that's, that's them. I mean, that's the Holly King, the Oak King. That's really all I've got there. Cool. And I, I do just kind of want to like tack on to the end here. And I'm not like encouraging anyone to shop at Hobby Lobby because they're run by religious nut jobs, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They do some pretty terrible stuff as far as like their employees in the holiday season. But, you know, at stores perhaps similar to that one that I have just mentioned, uh, they do have those like woodsy, like holly garland Santas, you know, it's like you could definitely, especially if you've got little ones at home, go get one of those. Tell them, tell them that's the the Holly King. Oh, you yeah. know, they're not going to know. And then it'd be fu- it would be really fun. And I just think, you know, they've got like the fur cloak. You know what I'm talking about. Don't you oh, shit yeah. in like the they have they have them out there. No, I 100% know what you're talking about. And and I think that it's a really fun thing for kids because, again, it's like, you know, so many of our like little stories like Santa Claus, you know, I think about like the Holly King and the Oak King almost as like a sort of like Santa Claus type figures for like. Right, right, right. Baby pagans, you know, baby pagans teaching them about the seasons. It's not precious. I mean, I don't want children, but I want to teach some kid about the Holly (laughs) King and the Oak King. Right, right, right. Okay, so kind of talking about family, though, um, I'm actually going over gemstones and minerals and crystals that are going to tie into the Yule season. But before we get into that, I kind of wanted to talk about um, like a very specific piece of jewelry. And then I'm going to hopefully tie it all together by the end. But um, so my mom and grandma both have all of these like brooches and necklaces and I mean, even like rings and earrings and stuff that uh, all have, you know, like rubies and garnets and red stones in general that are all like Christmas themed, you know, like Christmas yeah. tree brooches that are just like decked out in garnets, uh, you know, like ornament earrings that are like, you know, with rubies and, and you know, so it's like. I feel like it's very like of a certain time. It's of a certain time. And I, I would just say I feel like there's probably a lot of people out there who are practicing witches who might even have some of this kind of stuff that you get out. 
during the holiday season, you know, you put it on your, you put your little brooch on your cardigan, you know, you pop the earrings on for, for a holiday party or whatever. And it's fun. It's festive. But something I kind of wanted people to think about that maybe they would think in a different way is that stuff like that can still totally be the same as carrying like a raw crystal. Yes, or like yes, a, yes. Or like a, like a wire, you know, it's like the, the only magical crystals out there are not just like wire wrapped quartz that you you got from, a, you know, a witchcraft store. And I would say, you know, like support your local witchcraft store. First of all, I mean, if you don't have any crystals or, in, you know, and yeah, that's obviously where to get them. But if you have these like, you know, sort of fun, festive, you know, maybe even little inherited little pieces of stuff like that, because like you were saying, it is from a certain time. And I would even go so far as to say, I feel like a, a lot of our listenership probably does identify more with the the femme side of things so yeah i think that's you know, a fair assumption i think you know it's like that's a, that's a lot of the stuff that you you end up with from various people in your family yeah so i just kind of wanted before i go into like what the different stones are that are heavily tied in with yule i just kind of wanted to say like if you treat your your jewelry like you treat your crystals that you do magic with uh, it it is the same. Yeah, and I think it's it's really important because I've I've talked about this a few times. You know, I have some crystal jewelry that, again, you, like when you look at it, you wouldn't think of it as like quote unquote like witchy crystal yeah, jewelry. It, it doesn't have to be like a giant pentagram or a Thor's hammer or yeah. something that just screams to your conservative family members. Yeah, like, like hey, my... I'm a I'm a big old witch. My you know? uh, my engagement ring is chalcedony and it's, you know, so I cleanse it and I charge it and I use it, you know, basically as if it were basically as if it were like a, any sort of like wire wrapped crystal that I'd carry around. Um, but, you know, it does have a lot of like really good properties, too, because it is still like a stone. Right. It's like chalcedony is like one of those that's like sort of like for flexibility, moving with grace, going with the flow. You see that a lot with kind of like the blue stones. Um, and I have a Laramar ring that's just like a really pretty ring that just happens to have a piece of Laramar in it. And that's like all about like, you know, water energy and like harnessing that. And so both of those rings, again, that aren't just like giant pentacles, like, a, you know, nothing super witchy looking, but I wear them all the time. And so, you know, I cleanse them in like smoke or incense, I'll charge them under the full moon because, you know, I, the intention is to use them that way. And I think that it's intention is everything. And it doesn't, again, it's like, it doesn't have to be quote unquote, witch jewelry right. to be treated like that. And so like the, the first stone that comes up and I actually found like a really nice sort of list article by a uh, Seraphon Impey. Um, that went over all the different stones that are related to Yule and sort of what they can do for you. And like number one on that list, and, you know, because you can't just look at one list when you're doing research for stuff like this. No. So that list I, I did like the most. I think, you know, she really cut to the chase with the information. But on several other lists, garnets were like one of the number one across the board, across many different lists the stone associated most with Yule. And so uh, kind of circling back around, I think in this like 
Christmas tree brooch that my mom has that has so many garnets on it. And it's actually one of her favorite stones. So she has a lot of jewelry like that. And I know as an only child, one day I'm going to end up with that stuff. And I'll tell you, I'll probably pin that Christmas tree thing, Christmas tree brooch to, to my own cardigan someday. Yeah. For a Christmas party. And so, you know, I just wanted to talk about that stuff like that can totally be magical. You you can make the choice to to yeah. make that happen. So you just have kinda, the magic. Right. So garnet, as well as being beautiful. And I mean, for some people, I think they see it almost as kind of um like a more budget friendly, especially in that setting where it's purely about aesthetics, uh, to rubies. But so mm. when you were talking uh, earlier about poinsettias, you know, the color red is associated with that like vitality and like the blood of the goddess and fire and just energy, right? So garnet has that incredible deep red color. For That's what it's known for. There are variations. You know, there's like uh, there's like red sapphires out there, you know, I mean, yeah, anywho. So so there's. The strong association with the fire, the energy, but also the root chakra. So it's what they would call uh, rooted fire. So it can help you get through this. It's a very hectic season. Um, for so many reasons. For so, 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 so many reasons. Um, where the, And it doesn't seem to have any shortage of things to do. So that rooted fire, you're like rooted in your purpose. That's the root chakra part of it. But you're still burning. You're you're gonna keep on going. So like that is that like sort of the strong symbolism there. The color red, the garnet, but the, also the very strong connection to the root chakra. So you don't just want to have like a burst of energy. You know, it's like, uh, do you want to do crystal meth? Or do you want to, you know, drink a cup of tea and, and maybe have a nice lunch? Um, because yeah. one of those, you might get a lot of work done, but you're going to be very burned out at the end. You know, as we're, with the tea and the sandwich, you're, you're maybe not going to have an incredible burst of energy, but you'll still be able to get your, your work of the day done. So. Yeah, and I think it's interesting to think about the root chakra, especially this time of year when so many people are around their families. Mm, and mm -hmm. the root chakra can be a place that becomes very blocked by, you know, traumas that happened in early years, like, you know, things that maybe happened in your childhood. Mm, mm -hmm, um, that you're that you're reliving because you're around the people that were there when it happened. Because so. you're around the people that traumatized you. Right. Um, so I think that that's that's also a good sort of like energy to carry with you, you know, like sort of protecting your roots. Protecting your root. That's a, well, and you know it's like in the winter, a lot of the trees will will quote unquote die, even though they don't die, but the roots are still fully alive. Oh yeah, it's like if you have a plant, for example, I have a really beautiful like potted uh, black diamond crepe myrtle on my front porch, and the first winter, uh, the leaves all fell off, and it's really scary when it's in a pot because it's it you don't know that it's coming back. But something I read is like near the base of the plant on one of the, like the thick branches, you can kind of scratch it. And if it's green inside, you know, it's alive. And so it's like, they look totally dead on the outside, but they're not. Right. So that's, that's kind of like a nice symbolic way to think about it too. You know, it's like, we're going through the dark of winter and we're really sort of living in our root at the yeah. present moment. Yeah. So whatever, whatever you can do to boost 
that that root energy in a in a healthy way. You know, like I said, it's like crystal meth versus a cup of tea in a sandwich, you know. So we're recommending Garnet. And, you know, like I said, you've got your all, there's a lot of beautiful secular Christmas related jewelry that I think a lot of people probably already have that you can treat the same way you treat your your crystals. And oh, you can totally. be like totally incognito wearing garnet jewelry to your holiday party, to your family Christmas, and uh, no one will know. So, well, And it's also like if you're someone like me who is going back to see my in-laws and they're very religious. Mm-hmm. And so you I won't. You don't have to talk about it. Exactly. Well, and I, I was going to say it's like so I'm going to have to go sit through a Christmas Eve church service, mm-hmm. which is often a very difficult thing for me because it brings up a lot of like traumas from my childhood related to church and you know i think having this type of jewelry too it's number one it does help protect your energies but it's also important to give you something to focus on and i think that that can be really helpful for a lot of people that are going into places that you know bring up a lot of negative stuff that you don't want to necessarily relive constantly um so in addition to like the awesome power they have to like you know, help protect your energy. It's also the very like practical meditative side of being able to like think about this thing that's protecting your energy when you're in the middle of perhaps a very uh, conservative church service that's making right, you right, want right. to yell. And you can look <laughs> at your your beautiful little garnet Christmas tree brooch down there on your cardigan and think it's going to be okay. I'm protected. Yep. I am fully living in my own truth and being my own self even through all of this. Yeah, exactly. So, it's a nice it's a nice sentiment. Is it not? Uh but so we're also and it's like I didn't intentionally pick only red stones for Yule. Um But, but I mean it works on the poinsettia theme too. I guess this is a red episode cuz the this, Holly King red know. berries. And you know, I I actually we were talking about this before we were recording. This is episode nine, yeah. which is three times three. You know, it's like there's very, very magical energy sort of trifecta situation. Um, but also it's like an unintentional theme. And it also airs on the 18th, which is six threes. Mm-hmm. Anywho, like, you know, we're having we're having a good time. Numerology everywhere. Doing, doing a little numerology. Three, <laughs> by the way, to everyone listening out there, three is and has always been. My very favorite number. It's true. So can vouch. Can vouch, Shannon for sure can. But no, so uh, we also kind of wanted to talk about rubies. Big surprise! Uh, Another very famous red gemstone. And can I say, like, I am obsessed with raw rubies. Oh, for sure. They're so beautiful. Well, actually, you know what? I did want to talk about, and I know this is like so. A sidetrack, but that little picture of the spider with the garnet that I sent you. <gasps> oh yes, <laughs> the so tiny cute. little little tiny baby garnet. Uh, so I just before we moved on to rubies, but no rubies, kind of kind of pricey though. I gotta say, yeah. you know, it's like I feel like probably do similar thing with uh with garnet or raw rubies would be yeah. a lovely lovely little wire wrap if you can raw find. Raw rubies are so much more affordable than the ones that have been like hyper finished like you can find some really beautiful like raw ruby jewelry that's in like the hundred to hundred and fifty dollar range as opposed to like multiple hundreds of dollars 
Um, like, you know, I'm, we're not saying go to Tiffany's cause then you're going to be spending well over a grand, but like, I've seen some beautiful, like raw Ruby jewelry on Etsy in particular, that is just like stunning and super affordable. And also I think for me, I always feel like the magical properties seem to resonate more for me when the stone is less treated. Yeah. When it's not like a faceted, like fully set stone. Yeah. So, but so Ruby's have uh the connotation or the association with um, passion prosperity protection and it's really just a no-brainer especially when you're thinking about like manifestations that people are working on for the upcoming new calendar year oh yeah so it's like rubies could really be a powerhouse going into your you know because i think a lot of people do manifestations for the calendar year as well as the lunar new year you know so it's like I, you know, because it's like the so the quote unquote sort of uh, the New Year's resolution, right? That's a manifestation. If you, re- it very much is a manifestation. So, well, and it will have already passed by the time this episode airs, but December 14th is also like the last new moon of the year. And it happens to be a new moon in Sagittarius, which is all about like visions, philosophies, travel. So it's like, this is a great time. To I'm be also doing I'm that a, type of I work. love that it's in my moon sign, like the last moon of the year. Oh yeah, and it's a full solar eclipse. So love it's it. it's a time. But so rubies uh have that like really great energy for manifestation, like I said passion, prosperity, but also protection. So you were talking about, you know, you have to go to this like church service for Christmas. You got to be around a lot of people. Who, you know, I don't think, I, you know, as far as your partner's family goes, I've actually met most of them. I don't think anyone in like the actual immediate circle wishes you any ill. You know what no, I mean? No, But I course. think you, you'll, you're probably way more likely to be a, around someone secondhand yep. by going to this church service, perhaps, uh, with someone who maybe doesn't wish you the best and who might be putting out negative energy towards you yeah and i think for everybody that's in any type of closet this time Mm. of year is difficult you know my partner and i are both closeted for various reasons with their family um and i'm obviously in the broom closet with most people i know right so i think you know again really important especially this time of year this like rubies are perfect that protection work is so important you know and and just kind of circling back to what i what i feel like is is an important thing you could use ruby jewelry that you already have, you know, if you just yeah. are luxurious like that and you just have rubies lying around. Although I, to those listeners that just have rubies lying around, I would really love to speak to you. Um, yeah, we're looking for uh, we're looking for sponsors. So if yeah, you and are... you don't even have to send money. You could just send us a bag of rubies. Yeah, we'll take we'll, a bag of rubies we'll and then we'll say whatever you anyway. want. Uh, we can be bought. As long as the for price sale. is right. We're for sale for a bag of rubies. For minimum. a bag of rubies. Um, <laughs> but so rubies are a stone of passion uh, as well. So, you know, it's like Sagittarius season, like we were talking about. It's very much like part of their whole vibe is like being passionate about things like all of the fire signs. So rubies, another no, no brainer here. Oh, yeah, uh, totally. So you kind of moving on. And again, you know, I didn't want it to all be redstones. <laughs> but it kind of ended up that way. Uh, bloodstone is Ooh, a yeah. super strong healing stone. 
So, and like garnet, it also has those grounding properties that are good for your root chakra. Mm. So, and that can be a real godsend during, again, very hectic season that we are all in. You know, you have to go shopping. You have to go see your family. You got to make the dinner. You got to decorate, you know. So. Yeah. You got to travel for some Ground yourself. But also, when it's all over, take the time to heal yourself. And that's why I really wanted to throw Bloodstone in here. Because once you've been through all of that, you do need to take the time to heal yourself. And this is a good way, I think, to tie some of these other stones in. But throw in some healing. So that's bringing me to my last stone here. And I really insisted on having one stone in this segment that was not red. And I was torn between snow quartz and moss agate. Ooh, I have a I have a chunk of moss agate literally like right in front of me. I love it. Well, um, unfortunately, uh, I I pick snow quartz just because you know it's like it, beside from the symbolic connection to the middle of winter, uh, it's a great contender for this particular list because of its association with calming energy and good luck. Yeah. So like, calm the fuck down. Next year will be better. You can make it through Christmas. You can make it through Yule. You can even make it through the new year if you just stay calm. Yeah. And I, I, I'm going to throw in, though, Moss Agate because I do love it. It's, it's in the Chalcedony family, which is part of why I like it so much because that is the family that my engagement ring is from, but it looks, Mm -hmm. it literally looks like moss. It kind of has like brown and black shades throughout the green. And it's like, it's a very like natural, like connecting you to like earth. Um, And it's been celebrated as like a lucky stone for a long time. And my favorite thing about it is, and the reason I keep it with my plants is there's like this old folklore that if you have moss agate, like near your flowers, they'll bloom more prolifically oh i love that so (laughs) put a little moss agate by your poinsettia perhaps yeah exactly and then it's all about like you know balance and like self-healing and things like that but my favorite is because it is like the gardener's delight is one of the Mm, things it's mm. called so if you are a green witch get you some moss agate because mine right now is sitting next to my monstera and it does have like three new leaves coming out even though it's fucking december so (laughs) i can't say it's the moss agate but i can't say it's not yeah you can't say it's not but you know so so to me of the connection to luck this is something i wanted to mention with snow quartz as well being strongly associated with luck is um you know it's one of those things around the holidays a lot of people give out like lottery tickets oh yeah and there's like raffles at work scratch offs in your stocking um you know so a little luck could go a long way yeah you know it's like i remember uh i was working at this place and they had all these really great raffles and uh one of the raffles which is like a whole roll of uh lottery tickets oh my god that's amazing so it's like double so it's like you win and then maybe you win again hopefully (laughs) maybe you you win again well and you remember a few years ago um when the apartments that we lived in back in austin before we moved had like a casino night night. yeah that was so fun I I won like a hundred bucks at that I think or something like fifty I, I don't I won nothing but you had a great winning night I could well, have used be, some I'll tell you. I will tell you it's because 
I only played blackjack and none of the people there knew how to play blackjack. So it was not like fully skilled, (laughs) you know, like I was, I was like not hitting on like 14 and still winning. Like that's crazy. (laughs) Yeah. But you had a great night. But again, it's like, that's very much like in this time of year. Also gambling comes out a lot. But uh, okay. So just to, just to kind of lighten the tone though. You know, because I feel like we've talked about, like, all this stressful kind of, like, going home for the holidays really stresses people out. Yeah. And, okay, so I do kind of want to start questionable witchy practice with um, just a little bit of background. So um, I have had Reiki done a couple of times before for my uh, sciatica Mm -hmm. because I'm scared of acupuncture. And I actually found it quite effective. I have a friend, Casey. Shout out to Casey, by the way, a true Gemini queen um, who I think listens to our, our little podcast that we do here. So, Well, hello, Casey. Well, hello, Casey. But um, so I've had Reiki, but no, so Casey did not do my Reiki, but I've had it done for my, for my sciatica because I'm very scared of acupuncture. But Casey actually did Reiki on my cat one time. I love so, that. So I had this very large party. Did you, you went to that, that apartment I lived in with uh, my ex, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, I did. So the big one. Okay. Yeah. So we had a, like a pretty large party there and um, like leading up to it, you know, like we're literally like mixing the punch bowl and like pulling little finger foods and stuff out of the oven and things like it, people are on the way, right? Yeah, it's happening. My, my cat has gotten violently ill from eating and everyone out there do take note of this that lucky bamboo which is not bamboo at all by the way um and my cat loves to chew on every plant that i bring into the house um got so sick and he was just like and it had apparently happened while we were both at work and we had kind of came straight in and started getting ready for this party and so he was just like a limp noodle and was kind of like drooling and just like really feeling bad and she had uh, she did some Reiki on him and he was able to go to sleep and he was even purring a little bit, all of which is just a really long winded way to say, I do not think Reiki is a questionable witchy practice. Same, Period. same. I know like Reiki practitioners. Of course, I do. I live in Los Angeles. Both of us are pro Reiki. Yes. However, <laughs> however. And I did just want to say that because I do not want people coming after me thinking I'm like the, you know, an anti-Reiki witch that's like coming for your for your Reiki practitioners. Now, OK, so here's the really questionable part. Um, and Shannon, you were telling me that you saw this on Instagram. Yep. And I had actually seen this on Twitter. And I'm not going to name any names because, I mean, anywho, don't want people coming after me. But uh, uh, charging money. Like money, money too, you know, like not a little suggested donation um, to do virtual Reiki from a distance through the computer on a group of people. So um, so I'm just going to start with like the first reason that I personally think this is super sus. Um, So when I have had Reiki done on myself, it's like all I mean, it is like a like a no touch kind of um, process for the most part. but. I would say like your personal energy centers, which is what they focus on when they're doing acupuncture as well. I mean, think about it like your internal organs, like 
no person's organs are in exactly the same place. Like you could you could have two people that are the exact same height and there will be subtle and sometimes not so subtle differences in like where their bits are. Yeah. And it's kind of the same thing with your like personal energy centers, like where you personally are getting blocked, you know, like where things are not flowing as they should. I mean, like my one of my therapists used to say, like, normal is just a setting on the dryer. Right, right, right. So I, I would say, you know, it's like and actually having a Reiki practitioner in the room with you, they can they're you know, they're very well trained people. They can feel those energy points in your body, which is, again, like yes. what they focus on when they're doing acupuncture. Right. So they can kind of also just like look at your body and like react to it. Okay, so I think it's very questionable to, like, get Reiki done by a stranger that can't even see your body. Um, and and like, in react a group. to In a group. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're, like, doing it for a group. So it's, like, not even, like, one-on-one. Because I would say, like, maybe we could, like, bump this up to, like, maybe being questionable. Like, right on the fence. If it was, like, one-on-one and maybe if you had, like, a video element to it. But yeah. also, I would say if it was a practitioner that you knew very well, that already knew you very well. Yeah, that's different. That does feel very different. Uh, that d- doesn't that feel very different? But like a yeah. stranger, a group online for money. Yeah. The whole thing is just a fucking dumpster fire. Yeah. And especially like right now is a tough time. And I do. I mean, I am all about supporting local witches who are doing things and like supporting independent purveyors. but like group online virtual reiki Mm -hmm. it 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 is hard not to look at that and see it as a cash grab that kind of paints the whole occult Mm -hmm. community like because so many people already accuse everything that we do of being woo woo and then you do something like this that kind of seems like woo woo that's very woo woo like and then you know it's like it's just and when you look, and again, and again, I'm just like not, I'm just like, I'm not going to call anyone specific out. Same, but there, same. There's a certain group of people that are out there that are part of a larger group of people. And everything they do is for money. And so it's like, it's not your local witch trying to like provide for themselves. You know, it's like by doing tarot readings or chart readings or, you know, Fucking go buy some corn husks and make a Yule goat. Yeah. I'll buy a Yule goat from you. You know, like I do like to support, you know, other witches out there in need. Yeah, but this just feels really icky. And, you know, if we have a Reiki practitioner listener who wants to tell us why we're wrong, I'm super open to hearing it. But to me, it does seem hella questionable. But uh, also, even more than that, if there's a Reiki practitioner listening that can tell me why I'm right. Because yes. this is just kind of a gut feeling I have. No, because I'm like, it just yeah. feels so wrong. Like when I say it out loud, doing a group Reiki session for money with a stranger, weird. Online. Like, on, online. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. So, um, no, because as soon as you told me, Nick, that this was like a QWP you wanted to cover, immediately I was like, oh, no, I've seen this because a witch yeah, that yeah, I yeah. follow on Instagram like raised a bunch of money that way. And I think it was like 
allegedly for charity in that case, which I guess like whatever, but still it's like, there's better ways to support charities and to support small business owning witches. That, also that don't make a, the rest of us look like batshit crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's like, if we want to get taken like seriously and be able to like live in a world where like our beliefs are just as valid as the general, you know, evangelicals in the country like we have gotta (laughs) like right right not be super super dumb like also stop with the anti-vax shit the weird oh my god the weird QAnon stuff that has like seeped into the witch community if you are part of that problem fucking stop it quit it yes we cannot do please stop just stop please just stop stop (laughs) (laughs) okay so that's that's really all i had it's just i think it's weird again if there is a reiki practitioner out there that wants to tell me why we're wrong or right or um that has you know something that might enlighten us yeah, we're super on, open on to why more. this could possibly be a not questionable thing. I'd love to hear it. Yeah, but because I agree, Nick, my gut says, ew, we had such a good taroscope this week, Shannon. We did. We did. So I'm very excited because I think cancers are one of the most beautiful people. And this week, my message is for cancers. Um, so cancers for you. I drew the reversed Queen of Cups. And I mm-hmm. think, <laughs> I feel like it, I uh, initially I was like, whoa, but then, you know, it really does, I think, make sense. So, I mean, when you think of the Queen of Cups in my deck, it is like this beautiful, like, femme wearing a crown of starfish and shells, holding a closed cup with a fish in it, surrounded by jellyfish, you know, very much the like the water, that very like intuitive thing that like cancers and Pisces are also good at. I have a Pisces moon, so I love you. Um, And I think that the closed cup here on my deck in particular is like really indicative of the fact that like the the thoughts and stuff are originating from within the depths of the femme in the card as opposed to the external world. So I love I love the illustration on my deck. You can see it on our Instagram. But I think that this time of year and in 2020 in general, when the reverse queen of cups shows up. I mean, it can show that you're really out of touch with like your emotions, um, but it could also really be indicating that you need to draw your attention inward and like focus on your own emotional well-being because perhaps you've been spending too much time taking care of other people in your life, engaging with the numerous atrocities that we are faced with every single day. You know, it's like, which isn't that isn't that such huge Cancerian energy? It is. It is. And I think give till it hurts, give till it hurts. And to me in particular, the more I've thought about this, like when I see the reverse Queen of Cups right now for you, Cancers, I'm just feeling like you need to set boundaries somewhere. And it might be with another person. It might be with like the amount of media and news you're consuming, but you need to set a firm 
healthy boundary so you are able to also take care of yourself. You can't pour from an empty cup. And I know that cancers have a tendency to give and give and give. You're very much the mama bears of the astrological chart, but you do need to like leave space for yourself. And I think that's like the biggest thing here. Like you need to take care of yourself, cancers. Like you need to listen to yourself. You're amazingly intuitive people like you have that gorgeous like lunar moon energy like trust that like let your heart you know set the pace for a minute use your head set some boundaries dig into your heart your intuition and take care of yourself take some time to heal especially this time of year we were we were just talking about that with the crystal thing too you have to take the time to heal you do you do You have to take the time to heal. And as someone with like a Pisces moon, I'm not like, you know, obviously I am not like a Cancer sun. I have a Virgo sun, but I do have a Pisces moon. And I know that the watery, the the water signs among us, like the moons and the suns and waters, this has been a hard year for people that are very emotionally attuned to things. Um, Be mindful that your ability to pick up on the emotions of others has not become codependence. Mm, mm-hmm. Well, it's just you kind of think with this in particular, because this one is for the 18th. So, yeah, you know, I, it's just, you know, cancer being the mom of the Zodiac. Yeah. It's like you just think of like a totally sort of like burned out mom during the holiday season. Yeah. They're no fun which, when they're like that. They're no fun when they're like that. And, um, you know, so something to keep in mind there, yeah. too, is like, don't think about think about how, you know, think about your own mom. Yeah. We, and we need you, Cancers. Like, you are so important. Like, cancer energy is so important. I think especially to the collective right now is we're like mm, mm-hmm. moving. We need, we, need to, we need to be soothed. We yeah. all need to be soothed. We need mommy. I mean, because this... So you you need to take care of yourself so you don't burn out. Yeah. I mean, I think especially going into 2021, because like 2021 is the year of... It's a hierophant. And oh, no. I know. And it's like, it's all about massive evolution and humanity. And I can't imagine people that need a seat at the table more than people like cancers. You know, people that have that like intuition that can really connect with the emotions of other people. It's really important, I think, especially now. So we love you, Cancers, but like, please set boundaries and take care of yourself. You're not bad for setting boundaries and not giving everything. <laughs> yeah, I feel like they need to hear that, though. Yeah. I mean, I'm just thinking of like the Cancers that I personally know. Like, they do need to hear that. Yeah, it's important to take care of yourself. If you don't take care of yourself, you're never going to be able to keep taking care of people. And you're so good at that. And the world needs you to take care of all of us often. <laughs> <laughs> right. So we love you, cancers. We do love you, cancers. Take care of yourself. Well, does that does that bring us to the bitter end? It does. It does. That brings us to the end of this week's episode. So Shannon, if people wanted to contact us to send us information about virtual group Reiki, or to send uh, us uh, bags of rubies uh, to get, yeah, well, if you, you know, if contact you... contact me privately about the bag. Of rubies. <laughs> You can reach us everywhere at Wands and Fronds Pod. So our Instagram is at Wands and Fronds Pod, and our email address is Wands and Fronds Pod at gmail.com. And that's going to be in the episode description. So you can just check it out there. Great. And um, I would love everyone out there, if you don't have time to 
give us a little shout out, you know, hit us up, send us a bag of rubies. Although rubies would be nice. Rubies are um, preferred if we're going to be honest. Rubies preferred. But, <laughs> but hey, if you if you don't if you're not if you're not luxurious like that, um, you know, give us a five star rating wherever you're listening or I will come to your house <laughs> and I will. You know what? If you will not give us stars, I will come to your house and I will steal everything star shaped. That is my new threat. Nick's going to take all your poinsettias. Mm hmm. <laughs> So, um, and if you are wanting to be like a part of our Q and A episode that we're going to record when we're able to see each other safely, don't worry, we're being careful. When I am in Austin, send us some questions. Like, do you have questions that you know you'd want for us to like research and give you some info on? Do you have questions about us and what our practices look like? Um, do you just want to say hi? We'll definitely anybody who sends a question, like if you're okay with it, we'll definitely give you a shout out on the podcast. Let us know if you don't oh, want we're gonna us to. We're going to shout you out. Um, but yeah, like, please send those. Like, we really do want to hear from you guys. We want to, like, make content that you like. Um, we also are potentially thinking about setting up a Patreon after the new year. And our initial idea is to have some episodes coming out early on that are, you know, full on deity series that go a lot more in depth yeah. than our deity profiles. Um, we're also thinking of maybe doing a wands and fronds and friends for the Patreon where we interview different people in the community. Um, if you think those are something interesting, we'd love to hear from you. If you think those sound dumb, we'd also love to hear that. If you have other ideas for content that you think would be worth, you know, maybe pitching in five bucks a month, like let us know. Like we're we're not just doing this for fun, although it is fun, but we want to like it is fun. It is really it fun. is really and, fun. And just to just to reiterate, if you do have um, you know, some feedback that might not be the most positive, the best way to have your voice heard is by giving us rubies. Rubies. If you give us rubies, we will do whatever you want. We'll work for so, rubies. For sale for rubies. So <laughs> so what do we say to all the witch bitches out there, Shannon? We say to all the witch bitches, blessed be bitches. Blessed be bitches. Goodbye. Bye now. Aluminium. Poinsettia. <laughs>